0: chat i'm your host chris revel coming at you from the cat cave in providence rhode island uh this would be the last episode that's going to be getting recorded in this version of the cat cave and which will also lead in something i'll tie into in a little minute as well uh the show will actually be taking a brief hiatus this time planned i uh, will be going on break for the month of march because i am moving uh but uh we should be back in April. But this is a great episode with Matt Saincom I think I said his name right. He is the founder of The Hard Times. You can check out that site, thehardtimes.net. Literally a website I've loved for years. I've been reading it, turns out, since the beginning for about four years. I learned about it from, I think, Twitter from uh, Jonah Ray, who at the time was, or I think still is, is host, one of the hosts of the Nerdist podcast, and I just really like that guy for a lot of reasons. And, um... So it was really fucking – it was awesome to get a chance to talk to Matt because I fucking love The Hard Times. It's I, I grew up in the punk, hardcore, ska, emo scene or whatever you call it in uh, Connecticut. It's a part of my life and the music I just really love and connect with. And uh, So I'm not really too tied to that community anymore, but it's nice to have closeness to it. Huge fan. Uh, and as as Matt explains it, if you've never heard of The Hard Times, it's kind of like – as he, his words, not mine. There's The New York Times and then there's The Onion and then there was vice and the hard times is kind of like the onion of the world of the subculture fucking hilarious they also have um then another one, He have another offshoot called the Hard, hard Drive, which is more a gaming culture, which is also really funny. You, you'll see, we'll talk about in the episode, but, I mean, they've been on CNN. They've got tons of people from this world uh, who read it. It's it's pretty well known. So this is a pretty big get. Uh, Matt is a really nice guy. Uh, journalist, interesting guy, def- definitely a hard worker. And uh, it's it's kind of interesting to see in the in the age of these kind of websites have come and gone through various companies or whatever. The Hard Times is fucking still out. Out there and kicking an ass. So, um, any of you people out there looking to write for them, you can just submit. And anyone out there looking to start your version of a website or something, uh, listen to what Matt has to say. A lot of uh, DIY punk ethics, where they try to do it as much as they can themselves and um, not get fucked over and purchased by a large company and disappear. Uh, but uh, wow, fun, fun episode. I really, this is great. This is, I was kind of in a weird funk and didn't feel like recording. But uh, this came up and it got me really excited about podcasting. I was like, fuck yes, I'm back at it. I'm going to do this forever. And uh, thank you to Matt. And if you're listening to this, uh in real time or within real time matt is looking to do the podcast rounds because the hard times has a brand new podcast the hard times podcast is fucking great it's matt uh bill conway the other is the co-founder uh so far they've had andy hurley a fallout boy and a bunch of other hardcore bands uh frank turner one of my favorite artists and brian baker of bad religion so those are the three that are out as of now he lists off a few others that are coming up uh it's a great podcast please listen and uh have matt and Bill on your podcast they're looking to get it on there they gotta promote this thing out there and they're fucking they're just really funny guys and uh, Matt is just hell of a guest and recorded his own uh, side for any fellow podcasters so the audio is fucking dope Uh, turns out my equipment is broken so thank you to uh I don't think I'm supposed to say who. Uh, A dear friend of mine let me borrow their equipment for this episode, so I want to say thank you if you are listening. Uh, Could not have done it without them. And we should return in April with Ed, if things go well, from Unaired, because I was just on an episode of Unaired. We talked about a 1992 sitcom with a young Tommy Maguire called Great Scott that wasn't very good, but sure tried and had some fucking talented people working on it. If you check out uh, Unaired, you can check out my episode. Uh, Please share it get it get it out there get some get some downloads so ed will have me back on and ed's gonna be our first guest back and i've also talked to uh, rachel wolfson if you don't know who she is she's a great uh, i guess pop comic fucking hilarious uh friend of mine from college and it turns out now she's a comedian and hopefully we'll set that up for in a few months i've been find me on all the things that let's chat podcast and let's get to it <laughs> Man, I'm I'm stoked because I've actually been wanting to have you and uh, Bill on for a while because my friend was on my friend was either on Bill's podcast or Bill was on my friend's podcast. I don't remember anymore. Mm. Which
1: um, Bill ha- Bill had a podcast called Edgeland. He might have had your friend on that. Yes, one.
0: yes. Sure. Um, have you ever heard of the band The Flaming Tsunamis? Mm. I don't
1: know. No, I haven't heard. Of they that
0: were one. like a Connecticut ska hardcore band that was very very niche uh, in the early ska two.
1: hardcore. Yeah, it's probably why I haven't heard of ska. Them yeah, and
0: they screamed, and then, so Andy was. Uh, the singer of that band, I know he's like a vegan outreach activist
1: guy, and still is Oh, okay. So, so, in, so it's in Bill's world. Though. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> so I still people, I was like, oh man, and because I was because tra- I was thinking back today, I was like, I think I've been the hard time. This has been like my go-to page, like for like maybe like four years now. I was trying to think.
1: Hey, that means that means you hit it right when it started. We've been around for about four years. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, it was four years, and I was like thinking today, I was like, how the hell did I hear this? And it was, um, I think, Jonah Ray tweeted oh, really? talked about it back when i was like really into the nerdist podcast
1: wow so that's so great I th- yeah i think
0: that's how i found um, it and then it's honestly the funniest fucking thing in the world
1: and it's only gotten better i feel uh so jonah that actually i always say this is that jonah is actually one of our early supporters not like early well-known person supporters but like early supporters like he found the website and he let people know about it like really early on uh i've actually gotten to know him uh, since then and hang out with him a couple times and he even helped us out with some video projects that we were working on and, uh, just a really talented and fun guy uh, to be around. And good dude. Absolutely, man. And he comes from an, uh, an actual punk background. Um, so I just have a whole lot in common with him Yeah. and, uh, I definitely, I definitely admire what he's done in his career. So, um, yeah, he came to our party. Uh, we had a four year celebration party. Yeah. I saw he that online. He did a set. I
0: was like, yeah. oh man, cause about when I would listen to Nerdist, back then and up till semi recently he was the one i always connected with he was the one i liked the most yeah. and then uh but yeah he's just like i'm like you know you know how podcasting is you build these like one way relationships with people so like yeah, yeah. i'm like i know i don't I know. know him but i think i do
1: <laughs> yeah getting to know him has been a real thrill he's a great guy that's um, that's so
0: cool to hear and then
1: yeah he actually he helped us he directed the a, a pilot that we shot we were um we're we're working on it's not you know moving right now but we're working on a, a tv show pilot and damn. uh he helped us uh, direct that, but also he went above and beyond, and he helped us get a, uh, the right production people in place and all sorts of stuff. Um, he's uh, he's helped us a lot, and just like you know, you found out about the website through him, so um you can't ask for very much more than that
0: no i know is not crazy years later too so i i'm so i'm interested um i would kind of start at the beginning like it's not this isn't really a really a truly an interview but like sure i just I, my curiosity is like so what 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 where is uh when does hard times start like i know you're a journalist uh, like mm-hmm. professional and like yeah. you were a day job haver turned uh I actually was listening to your episode of Edgeland. I don't know when it was from. So you were talking about oh, some yeah. pretty weird shit. <laughs> I don't know how yeah, long ago yeah. that was.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was a little while ago. That's actually how I met Bill. I met Bill on Edgeland. I, I've been on Edgeland. I think I went on there twice. And I, I met Bill through his podcast, the first time I ever spoke to him. Um, so yeah, hard time started. Um, hard. I had a punk zine. It was just like a little something I would print up 30 or 40 copies of. It was called Punks, Punks, Punks. Nice. And it was... It was like a punk comedy zine, so it was all jokes, and uh, in the back, there was a section that people really liked called Punk Points, and throughout the whole zine, I would give or take away punk points pretty arbitrarily. Like if someone had a good stage dive, I'd give them more punk <laughs> points, but also if they just like made me a meal that I didn't particularly like, I took away some punk points, and then they were all listed in the back. It was like an ongoing running tally. Sure. Um, I ended up having to go to college. I didn't actually really want to go to college. My parents wanted me to go to college, and they said... Uh, you know, what's your major going to be and I thought, well, I like making my punk scene so I chose journalism. So I went into journalism and I started writing about music Um, and I I got some actual real journalism skills like how to write a news story and once I had those skills, I thought, well, maybe I should mix punk comedy with news writing. So I should make punk comedy news stories Um, and I kind of told some friends about that and they were like, dude, that's, you know, no one's going to like that. The Onion already exists. And uh, I actually didn't know very much about The Onion. I, I definitely was like, um, had heard of them and interacted with it a little bit, but mm. it wasn't like I was reading the books or anything like that and really getting the nitty gritty of it. Um, but once I dove into The Onion and I kind of checked out what they were doing, I just obviously fell in love with it. And I thought it was such an interesting, uh, fun form of comedy. Uh, so I decided I was going to launch this punk news. Uh, comedy section in my zine ah. and I actually wrote some stories and so i wrote like four or five hard time stories and this is i'm still in college i'm like a junior in college so i don't even know this is like 2012 or something and um i showed them to some people they told me i was going to get beat up it wasn't a good idea no one was going to read it um, I hadn't done anything successful in my life yet. <laughs> so I think that that had like a little bit to do with the fact that no one really thought this was a good idea. Mm. Um,
0: well, and like I come and, from that, like a, this. I'm from Connecticut. I grew up, I live mm-hmm. in Rhode Island, but like and I grew up in the scene. And like this, when mm-hmm. you said get up, beat it up, I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Especially like Yeah, uh, well, it definitely was a real kids.
1: fear. Yeah, I mean, if you write negative things about someone. Yeah. Like, you know, we, you know, so this is back... Talk in, shit, get hit, yeah. right? That's, uh, so right. That's part like of the punk scene. So this was probably like
0: 2001 this happened to me. This is the era of MySpace. So I was mm-hmm. part of the punk, ska, emo, hardcore scene, whatever in Connecticut. was all like a mishmash. And at one time there was this uh, message board... No, it was MySpace. And there was a group called CT Hardcore. And you know, mm-hmm. do, did, were you ever on MySpace? It was a little bit different. We had to like, ask to yeah. join these groups. And I think I yeah. like I remember jo- trying to join one of the CT Hardcore groups. Mind you, I went to the shows. These are my friends. I'm part of that world or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I got this message back from it. It's like, I don't know if all I've seen from you is a bunch of scene dancing. And basically like, basically threatening me because they thought I was mocking hardcore because of my dancing. So these are the type of people you were dealing with. And in Connecticut, like um so the town next to where I grew up is where Hatebreed is from. Uh uh-huh. and Connecticut got pretty much cheesemo and it got much more yeah. aggressive.
1: Yeah. As I get yeah. all... I mean the punk scene the punk scene's a naturally violent place. Um yeah. so I think that the I think that the threat of violence was real. And um, so I decided, well maybe I'd put this out but I wouldn't put my own name on it. But anyways, my friends pretty much talked me out of it, and they said you shouldn't do this. And uh, I had a lot of other stuff going on. I was in school. I think I was working a hotel room service job at the time. And I thought, all right, well, whatever. So I actually just had these articles like on my computer. A couple years go by. I graduate from college, and I uh, I look around for journalism jobs, but they're hard to find. So I have like a three, four, maybe five month gap between college and my first full time employment as a journalist, and. Uh, I start to think, well, um, I keep turning these freelance stories to all these places and they tell me, you're such a terrific writer. You're, you're so uh, you're so good at this. I had some stories go viral, but I couldn't pay my bills. You know, I was thinking to myself, what the fuck is the point of being a writer if I'm going to starve to death? Like, why would somebody even tell me I'm a good writer if I'm just going to not be able to mm. support myself, have to go back to school for something else? Um, and so, I had like, I don't know, twelve hundred bucks left in my bank account. Um, this isn't to pretend that I don't have a safety net of, of family, because my family would not let me starve. Together, sure, sure. For sure. But I had like I think so. I'm trying to talk I'm trying to make it out on my own. That's the story. Yep. And I have like I have like twelve hundred bucks uh, left in my bank account. And I just for some reason I'm laying in bed. I think some people in the local community had just committed in the punk scene, I just committed suicide. Uh-huh. And I was thinking about, you know. A positive thing that would make people in the punk scene laugh and like what could I do and um, I started looking around and I came came across this like old idea I had for these like punk comedy news thing and my zine was done by now and I, I kind of just like I read the stories again I thought like this is pretty funny and then I kind of looked at the media landscape as a whole which now I understood a little bit more mm. because I was a journalist now and I started to see there was like the New York Times, right, which was like the tried and true legacy institution. And then there was vice. Um, but in the satire world, there was the onion, the tried and true legacy institution, but there was no vice. There was no, uh, do you see what I mean? Like yeah, there was yeah. no alternative for younger people. So the the onions, every man was this, you know, uh, married white guy moses lawns and has a white picket fence. And, our every man was like going to shows, you know, mm. eating slices of pizza, living in an apartment, more millennial, younger, alternative subculture stuff. Um, and I thought, well, it seems like there's a hole in the media landscape. Like, I think I could fill this hole. Um, and so I pretty much took all the money I had. I think it, I actually ended up putting about 800, 900 bucks into it. And, and I got design, I got a website laid out, and um, started working on it. And then I reached out on Facebook and I said, hey, um i got this crazy idea i'm working on it do any of my funny punk friends want to be a part of it and the person who really jumped on that opportunity and said like i believe in this and i think it's interesting was bill and bill was the last time i talked to him was i just met him through this podcast um and so from that moment bill jumped on he became my right hand man we worked in in uh, like secret for three or four months on the website, writing stories and preparing for a, a launch, and then in December 2014, I believe we launched, and uh, it just took off. Just it just took off right away. Um, and we had, I think we had over a million readers in the first week. Wow. So
0: how well, um, how long before yeah. you got to leave day where this became your career or like your job job?
1: Yeah, so I got to leave my job. Um, maybe two years into it. That's I pretty think. good, man. Maybe a year. Um, and it's kind of funny. I actually left my job kind of, so I was, I'm kind of a workaholic and, uh, I was doing like SF week. I was the music editor at SF weekly and I was doing that, but then I was like coming home and working like a whole nother shift kind of. Um, and eventually vice approached us and the onion both, both the onion approached us, and they both wanted to help us sell ads. And, um, they had big plans and there was money involved and it, I looked at the money they were offering me and I thought, I could make this work. I could just do this instead. My job at SF Weekly was insane. Actually, there's newspaper stories about me causing a ruckus in the newsroom and shit. Um, and I, I had an email from Vice telling me, hey, we can take care of you. <laughs> you know, I think they, they were predicting $8,000 a month worth of uh, ad revenue wow. headed to us. And I said, yeah, fuck it. I'm out of here. So I just I got up and I walked away and I decided to start doing it full time. Now, I did not understand that the, pretty much the entire publishing industry was taking a, a huge nosedive um, and that Vice and Onion were operating on the old notion that they were going to be able to continue to sell direct sale advertisements so much so that they would have too much for their own website and need to sell ads for other websites and very quickly it became apparent within a couple months that that money that they had promised was never going to show up. Um, and that instead not only were they not going to pay us, but they were scaling back their own staffs and that they, they couldn't sell ads to even cover their own costs, let alone someone else's. Uh, so I had quit my job and told my, told my family I was going to go do this professionally or whatever. And, uh, it immediately became a fucking nightmare. Uh, And, you know, it was more of like, I'm going to be eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches two or three meals out of the day and try my best to make this work. And, uh, eventually, um, over the course of, I would say probably a year, maybe a year and a half, no, probably like a year. Um, we stabilized the ship and we developed our own partnerships and relationships and, uh, figured out a way to make it work, um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not a wealthy individual. I'm like a working class guy, but I do my job is to run a punk comedy website. So that's very cool. I'm so surprised to
0: hear Vice fucked you over.
1: Oh uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, as you're telling you that know, story,
0: I was like, wow, oh, I I wonder where this is going. And not well, and you not know, your I, fault, because I don't think a lot of us knew this stuff about Vice until at least myself. I wasn't aware of about Vice being horrible until maybe a couple years ago.
1: So there are some people at Vice who I really, really like and who uh, come from the hardcore scene and I had some meetings there in their office and I met some people who were they were like me. They were from the hardcore scene yeah. but now they're in the publishing world and they were fans of Hard Times and they they had actual real intentions to make it a workable partnership. Yeah. And sometimes roughly every once in a while it still works out. Maybe last I think last week they sent us a campaign we took a little money from it, you know. That's great. Um but it used to the, the notion was that they were going to run our advertising mm. but it very quickly became apparent that everyone in the industry, there was no reason to have multiple digital web properties that you were selling advertisements for, because it wasn't a profitable business. Um, the, the real thing that happened was, it used to be people would go directly to websites and buy advertisements for them, but now everyone just goes to Facebook or Google instead, oh. and then those advertisements get programmatically spread out across the internet.
0: Oh, is that the thing so, when Facebook like, switched to video and it fucked over everything? Is it the same time frame? Uh,
1: Facebook is done.
0: <laughs> Man, I don't want to so get the, you in any hot water with the them. Facebook, but,
1: no, fuck Facebook. Facebook they are is, so evil. Uh, like
0: fucking they, evil.
1: They did another thing that was... So after I put, put the pieces back together and created a business that worked again, uh, after the kind of jumping off the ledge a little bit with Vice, um, we were really cooking, cooking with gas, and we were doing well. Um, and then Facebook decided maybe, I don't know, this may be eight months ago now or something at this point, that they were going to change their algorithms to be focused on friends and family instead of publishers' content. And I think 70% of our traffic disappeared uh, overnight. Oh, I'm and so sorry. That, that means 70% of our, rev, our ad revenue as well. Um, so we worked our asses off again. And as of a couple months ago, we put the pieces back together again. So we're a very resilient group. And it's not just me. It's like this, this amazing group of contributors and editors from all around the country who uh, contribute to this DIY punk project. Um, you notice a lot of other comedy companies and uh, just publishers in general out of business, huge scaling back, all these sorts of crazy shit's happening to them. But we've got like this kind of like survival DIY mm. uh, attitude. Um my, my partner, Bill, is a big part of that.
0: Now, are you taking your ethics from the DIY punk scene and put it into business practice, too, in a way?
1: We try. Yeah. I mean, in, you know, unless Walmart wants to give me 50 grand or something because then I'll take it. Oh, no, not but, like that. Um... Not in that not, not <laughs> way. Like,
0: stay true to yourself. But, I mean, it's, the way you're talking is, like, you guys are, like, used to things being shitty when you're in the punk rock world. So when things got bad, you guys are like, all right, well, let's just uh, pick up and keep moving forward. Like, you know. I think... I, I, I hope think Walmart Bill also... I, I personally want Walmart to give you like a million dollars. I'm not one of those assholes I, anymore.
1: I feel like Bill and I both have some weird thing in our genes that's just very much uh, a working man attitude where we enjoy working um, and we like completing tasks and mm. we we don't mind how hard it gets. So uh, I, I think that that has been that relationship between him and me and our dedication to a project, which has faltered multiple times and then been reborn. um, I think that's, that's what makes it go. And that is kind of like a DIY punk thing. That's like, that's like a, it's like we're in a band and we don't want to give up on the band, even when people don't like the new album or whatever.
0: Mm, Yeah. I mean like plenty of bands, like I look at like saves the day. There's a band that who's gone through multiple like sounds and changes and
1: still at it. Like, yeah, it's interesting though because our fans never, our fans have never really turned on us at all. I had, but as you were talking,
0: it, like as a reader, I'm I'm 34, so I'm a little bit older, so mm-hmm. I'm not in the scene, but it's still, like, but stuff uh, it still hits home. I like as a reader, I would never know anything you just said. I was like, oh, it didn't seem like that on the site. It just always that's fucking, great, yeah. Uh, amazing well. <laughs> content that either see the, here's the, the thing about hard times. Either it's really funny, or sometimes it's so funny because it hits way too close to home. <laughs> and those are some of my favorite art. Like, I think one of the... I think you, it was just... Put, I saw this the other day. It was like... Uh, I can't remember the headline, but it was like about like a live podcast taping's lack of audience would just be a regular podcast. It's like, oh <laughs> my God, that's my fear. It's so Yeah, so funny. We, we
1: just... I'm so glad you like it. Uh, well, we just did... Um, We just launched our new podcast network, so we decided to do a whole bunch of podcast articles, um, and they've been really
0: fun. Oh, they're killing me,
1: man. I love it. We've also for a little while had like a silent band on podcast jokes because our writers pitch so many of them, Uh. and statistically, they've never done that well. We're very big into analytics, so we we can tell which topics Mm. do well and which ones don't. So I'm like a zine kid. I grew up making a zine, walking around, passing it out Mm -hmm. at shows. So I like zine jokes. Oh my god did they bomb on the Oh website. yeah that's
0: like a another era. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's like people just just the mm-hmm. the limited reaction is crazy.
0: Um, one of the best I have a few I actually sometimes I'll send one you guys did one about like the band Thursday playing on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, I like
1: cried at that one. <laughs> I think that one was by Hannah Michaels. Oh my. I could be I, I could be wrong. I think they quoted
0: so like I, one of them like used like a fake name of a comedian I like I was like oh my god that's so funny that's so meta so I got real excited yeah I there's two the two the one I'm actually I actually had to pull them up because there's I'd say there's two of them that like so this one I think is pretty accurate to hard times is the um hardcore band accidentally reunites in Whole Foods break room (laughs) that's one I can send to like my (laughs) old friends or whatever
1: who wrote that one is that, oh, I, don't, I feel like that might be Rick. Is that Rick? I'll be honest. Of, I just
0: have I that off know. the top of my head because that was the one that I cried yeah. at. The best one. But here's the one I thought. I read this one and I was like, I read this to all of my friends who aren't part of the world. Tiffany Trump receives first ever text from her father or from father. Oh, yeah. yeah,
1: I'm, yeah. I'm a, you know that, did you know that one was on the news?
0: No, that's by Steve Ferrillo. That was when Trump did the text message that day.
1: Yeah, that. but they read it on CNN. No. Um, yeah, because it just went all around. What we did is we... <sighs> We heard that the thing was going down, that he was sending out this presidential alert, and that it wasn't actually a text message, but for joke purposes, it was close enough. And we came, we had a brainstorming session with all of our writers. Steve came up with that killer headline, and uh, I, we, what we did is we scheduled it all out so that right as soon as we we figured out the minute that the text was going out, and we had our story planned for like 15 seconds later. Wow. Um, and so it just fucking. Was so topical, it crushed. And oh my God. I believe, um, New York. Wait, I think New York Magazine. No, The New Yorker. The New Yorker posted it on Instagram with a whole thing about us. And then CNN read it. Wow. On the news, there was like some like little segment they were doing. It, and the the woman who I've been like listening to her voice. I don't know her name, but I've listened to her voice since I was a little kid. She was like, there were wisecracks like. Tiffany Trump receives first ever text from father and I was like dude this is so fucking weird they showed hard times on oh, cns that's so great
0: dude that's when i said to yeah. my parents and just like and that when i remember that happened and i was like damn hard times is going like farther than the scene and it works and yeah. i love i love it man it, it your site just brings me so much joy it makes me laugh I'm so every glad. fucking day so
1: one of the things that we tried to do was we started with with you know just making self fun of ourselves and our friends and DIY punk show shit and then eventually we just started crack I mean punks leave the show and they go <laughs> participate in the rest of normal life mm-hmm. right so we just started doing other stuff and our fans all have been so supportive throughout the course of our existence they've really they've really never turned on us they've always said you know go ahead and try it and and if we like it we'll support you you know they just there's been a couple things that we've tried where they didn't latch on but they didn't like say like you guys fucked up or you guys are idiots so, like we started doing like a uh... there's two things that we tried that failed we tried one thing called truth bang which was like a satirical conspiracy theory website <laughs> run by a lunatic and i thought it was so funny but the articles were were from the perspective of this conspiracy theorist and they were so insane and kind of like offensive that no one could share them mm. so people would like secretly message us and be like i really think it's funny what you're doing but i cannot put that on my facebook page right? yeah of course um and then the other thing that we tried to do that no one latched on to was it was called gut check and it was um pro wrestling and mma satire and i thought it'd go well there was no um there was a pro wrestling one called um kayfabe news um but there there wasn't an mma styled one i thought that we could i thought that we could kind of take that over but pretty resounding not interested sign from our audience so we pulled the plug on both of them but with the video game one that one took the fuck off
0: i'm not a gamer by any means so i don't think i understand all of the articles but there are plenty of them i still really love on the hard drive
1: yeah i'm so glad i mean those are like my two those my two interests really was punk rock and then gaming yeah oh that's awesome and pro wrestling and mma you know so uh it would have been like a true dream come true if i could also do the mma and and pro wrestling one but didn't work out but the video game one is still so fun and it actually accounts for a huge chunk of our overall traffic now do you Um, find
0: it's very people uh do you find that there's people who read hard drive and not hard times or vice versa
1: there are some, yeah. I, um, there are some people who they email us and they say, "Why is hard drive a subsection of hard times?" They say, "I don't get it," you know. Um, but uh, there's a lot of crossover, and then there are some people who just almost don't even know the other version exists. Um, mm. More so with hard drive because with hard times we try to let our hard times people know that hard drive exists, but with hard drive we don't mm. necessarily mm. like promote hard time stuff. Um, but I see hard drive. I think if you and I are to talk again in three years, I think it would be a hard drive has grown to be four or five times the size of hard times. Um, there's a lot of open uh, field in front of us with hard drive. Mm. Uh, there's just so many gamers out there. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of actual support with, as far as like the economics of it with like uh, video game advertisements sure. and companies. And with hard times, it's kind of like how many punks have never heard of hard times before yeah yeah of course it's like i'm sure some but it's it's pretty we've pretty much got it out
0: more and there's probably more gamers than there are punk rockers
1: it's huge it's like statistically everyone's a gamer yeah it's like it's a crazy thing this so i'm really excited to see how far we can push hard drive we actually just hired two new freelance editors over there to try to help expand our content from just one post a day to a, a couple so We'll so, what are
0: your bands growing up? That were your punk rock, what's your punk rock like? Uh, your your influences.
1: When I I was growing up, I was I was from the Bay Area, so the like the big. I feel like kids who are from the Bay Area, Bay Area they have like there's kind of like three bands that might have changed their mm. life or got it's it's either AFI, Green Day, or Rancid, mm. and I was definitely a Rancid mm. kid. Um And then my older brother turned me on to 80s hardcore. So then like my Threat had a huge impact on my life and that became Straight Edge. And uh, and then I also grew up in the street punk scene in the Bay Area. So um, like the OI and street punk scene. So it was like bands like uh, Monster Squad and Decoy and Pressure Point and Whiskey Rebels. I have a, that's a Whiskey Rebels poster. I need to fucking fix it because it's crooked. But yeah, Um, Whiskey Rebels are this... uh, incredible hardcore band, but they also have uh, a singer, Big Chuck, who's got this amazing voice and, uh, their lyrics are just really powerful to me. I I actually don't really understand why they weren't quite as popular as, I think they're a little bit underappreciated. I think they're a really, really interesting band. I used to like follow them around. So, um, yeah. So like Bay Area street punk stuff and then hardcore and straight edge. And of course the classics, I got super into eighties hardcore, um, yeah. I had like a studded leather and fucking mohawk and shit. Oh,
0: that's so amazing. That like how I got into it. Yeah. And you're from the Bay?
1: Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Danville, so I grew up from like the affluent suburb version sure. of the Bay Area.
0: Did you, get, did you get to go to, was it uh, Gilman?
1: All the time, so, <clears throat> yeah. Um, my favorite venues actually were DIY venues, mm. uh, like the Swamp in Oakland was just a basement that my friend's uh, alley ran it. Um, they just painted the walls green and knocked down some, some walls to make it bigger. It was a really fun spot. And, uh, the hazmat was a great spot. That was just another DIY illegal place. Did you guys ha- I think it's like a fucking brewery sure. now. I don't know.
0: Did you have basement shows? Cause I remember like in college having friends who were part of that music scenes in different parts of the country and like, there's no basement scene in
1: parts of the country because there's houses mm-hmm. without basements. Like, yeah, you know, I don't really know why the swamp had a basement because i don't think basements are that common here it's a either.
0: very east coasty thing uh, to my understanding but
1: th- yeah i mean i spent a lot of fucking time in that basement in particular a lot of really yeah. uh, incredible shows happened there some of my favorite shows i've ever played or seen happened in just a basement in oakland
0: um, that's awesome. I have my cousin works at a venue but he works in an- a it's not it's one year it's the thing about it is it's he, he he's like really interested in the music i don't like like world music so it's like called like asia mm. kabaja or something like that and mm, like is mm. it i think he lives in oakland and he's like and i he was on here one time he's like yeah there's a venue i go by you might have heard of a uh, gilman street I'm like yes that's yeah. the one i like and i don't know where you work
1: <laughs> yeah i grew up i grew up going to gilman street i've been banned from gilman street For, twice can uh, you say why <laughs> sure um the first time I was banned, I played in a punk band called Skull Stomp, and we had a lyric. Uh, we were satirizing hardcore crews um, with our lyrics, and so we had a fake hardcore crew called uh, PAU. It stood, for, it stood for Punks Against You, and the lyrics were, uh, We're in a hardcore crew. It's called the PAU. We beat up random people like you and you and you. So it was like a, you know, a mock thing that we were doing. Uh, but then at one point the song stops and it yells punks against you bitch and uh gilman said that we were sexist and that uh they brought us into the we, we so we played a show and we did that and they brought us into the back and they said all right well you can either change the lyrics and re-record the song or uh we'll give you money for tonight but you're not allowed to play here ever again and uh we said, fuck off, give us some money, we don't care. Uh, so we were banned there for a little while, but the thing about Gilman was that the people always switch in and out. So like the the ban system never works. Of course. <laughs> it's, it's like you know, you get banned from one guy who's super active at Gilman and then two months later he stops volunteering there and no one remembers that you're banned. So we're back there and we're hanging out or whatever. So fun. Uh, yeah, really, I really
0: was expecting and... something worse than the word the B word.
1: Yeah, I, it was a fucking bizarre thing. Were I you mean,
0: surprised? Like, I mean, back in shows in those days, like people would get like beat up
1: in like um, gang fights and shit. No. Gilman, Gilman is like, it was at that time just filled with just it was like the softest people. It was it was it was a weird weird place where, you know, even. I could understand if the song was like, I'm gonna beat up my bitch of a wife or something, but it was literally just the word bitch as an exclamation yeah. mark and we were fucking fifteen. You know, it's like we're fifteen year old punks, we'd you know <laughs> like sorry we we're not polite. I hate when you when know? I start
0: agreeing with like somewhat you know, like, oh no, this is like all right territory. And like but yeah. I'm like, I know I, I'm for PC dude, culture a... to some extent, but that's too far, man.
1: There's there's certain things where it's just whether or not they were right. You know, I'm sure in some context they were. Uh, being a 15 year old punk is not about being right. Yeah. Uh, for some people, it's about causing trouble. Yeah, right? One thing, if you say um, something bad, that's funny. And then so, yeah, they forgot about it. Whatever they, you know. And then there was, um, I became a freelance writer and I wrote an article in SF Weekly about how the head booker was. Um, he's a friend of mine and he's a guy who I, I like, but. He is anti-PC culture is like one of his main things that he believes in. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's like, you know, a lunatic, right? A lot of people in the punk scene are lunatics, but this guy's a lunatic. And he, I wrote an article about how, you know, uh, people were upset and boycotting Gilman at the time. And he was now in charge. And it was like this interesting thing where... You know, all the rules on the door were things that he like didn't believe in. It's kind of like a niche article to write in SF Weekly, and I guess Gilman felt that I had betrayed the punk club that I was going to when I was younger, or whatever, and that I had sold out. <laughs> you know, whatever, I whatever happened. Turn. They wrote, they wrote like a four thousand word reason why I didn't read it. So I don't. <laughs> wow. I don't, I don't really know. Okay, but anyways, I, I don't think that time I was like officially banned but they stopped booking me and then i came to the venue a couple of times and they had like a security guard stand next to me and try to intimidate me the whole time
0: wow um, that's but, yeah. funny i just i don't know it's just so funny i was expecting something much more uh, harsh
1: <laughs> well yeah i mean uh but then anyways so now i actually get to uh hard times we Promote shows at Gilman, and we give all give them all the money. So I actually feel good oh, that's giving so back cool. to Gilman because Gilman has uh, given me a place to play, and it's a legendary place. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the people who most of the people who work there now are friends of mine, are people who I admire and appreciate. So it all works out. But I think if you're from if you're from the Bay Area and you've never had a little tiff with the Gilman people, you're not really. Sure. You're not really involved in the scene then. It's one of those things where they're like professional. like They just always have problems with everything. That's like what they yeah, do.
0: Yeah, that's pretty Did you get to tour in any of your bands at all?
1: Yeah. Um, Zero Progress toured the U.S. twice. We went to Canada a couple nice. times. Um, so I got to see a whole bunch of different parts of the country. Um, I'm trying to think of my Skull Stomp toured a couple times. That was like my high school yeah. band um i think we did west coast and a southwest tour one the, i remember one time skull stop, one of our first tours we drove like 17 hours straight to arizona to play with raw power <laughs> it was fucking tight but it was um wow. it was like a dirt floor venue and we drove like we didn't know how to book a tour so someone said like do you want to come play in arizona and we we're like sure so we just drove and we didn't stop to sleep or anything we just did Jesus. it was very weird what we were doing um <laughs> That's so funny. Yes. I, 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 I like touring, but it's, you know, I, I'm glad that I did it. Nowadays, I kind of like just traveling instead.
0: Oh, God. I can't even. I may mean, never toured or anything, but, like, just the idea of doing anything at this age in my life. Like, no.
1: Oh, I want
0: comfort. Yeah. And, like, I'm not, like, that spoiled. But, like, I, I couldn't, like, I went to the CBGBs once, and it was, like, you know, like, using the bathroom was, like, the big deal was so gross. And now as an adult, was like, oh, God, I would never go there again. I know it doesn't mm-hmm, exist maybe. either. Dude, but uh, I
1: had I had a blind <laughs> I had a blind dog fuck another dog on top of me once while I was on tour. Wow. I, I was we were st- <laughs> I think this was in Arizona too. my fucking shit state, dude. Okay, <laughs> they uh someone we're, we don't have we were always trying to crash at people's house or whatever instead of um like buying a hotel room and. Uh, so after the show, we're like, hey, does anyone have a place where we can crash? And some guy's like, yeah, sure you can come crash. And we get to his house and there's like 15, 20 dogs in there, right? And like, like there's like really intense levels of dirt, like on the carpet to the point where it's like almost like a dirt floor ish sort of environment. This is big vats of stuff. I guess he was brewing wine or something, but at the time we thought it was maybe like meth, but it turned out to be wine. Um, Anyways, I'm like, all right, fuck this, whatever. I'm just putting my sleeping bag down. I got to sleep. I'm tired. And I, I lay down to sleep and this, this <laughs> blind dog that gets on top of me and like starts humping me or whatever. And so I, like, I, pu- I, I push it off and I stand up. And I'm like, dude, why are these? <laughs> I'm like, thanks for letting us over. Remember, like, why are there so many dogs in here, right? And he's like, well... They're, they're not my dogs. They're all strays, but it just gets really hot outside, so I let them inside the house. And it was really hot, right? It was like 115 degrees or something. It was like some historic heat wave. But I'm like, okay, so there's just like 15 stray dogs in your house, and I'm just asleep. Oh. Like next to these stray dogs, I guess. But I'm like really tired, so I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to I'm try again. So I lay down again. And this time, the blind dog jumps on top of me. And before I can push it off, another dog jumps on top of that one and starts (laughs) fucking that dog. And uh, so I have to push both of these stray dogs who were having sex literally on top of my sleeping bag and me. Um, And I was like, fuck it, guys. I don't care. I'm going to the van. And I went and I I took uh, two baggies of ice. And I put one on my forehead and one on my chest, and I tried to sleep in the van, but it was, like, 110, 115, and then the van, so it was, like, 100. Jesus. <laughs> was like, the van wasn't on, right? So it's, like, I don't know, 100, 125 degrees in there. And so, like, I would, like, pass out and then, like, wake up, like, <gasps> like in this state of shock, like I was about to die because it was way oh too hot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, but good yeah. times <laughs> so yeah that's what that's what i think of when i think of yeah porn, so. <laughs> have you ever
0: had anyone get like upset over anything because like um sometimes okay. you make digs at other bands which i always find they're in good jazz but anyone ever been like sensitive
1: um you know not that i remember particularly I, I feel like most people are actually just excited to be part of it i feel like we try not always we try to Pick targets who are either worthy of criticism, make our criticism fair, or make it in good fun. Hmm. Um, and, and I think that those are our sort of guidelines that we follow that kind of keep us out of trouble a bit. You know, we don't just go after a random person and try to take them take them down. You know, um, usually they need to step in it first. Sure. Like right. So like if they're inside of some sort of intense thing that they made a mistake, then maybe we pile on a bit. But um, I don't feel like. I don't feel like I've ever really. I never got beat up. I thought I would.
0: Um, <laughs> like, cause you guys uh, do some. You guys always poke fun at Gaslight Anthem. Who I I love them, but like, the Brian Fallon and Bruce Springsteen stuff always cracks me up.
1: Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> well Brian Fallon's actually like a he's like a friend of ours now. Kind of he, uh, really likes the site and he talks to us and he liked both those. Oh, articles, that's so, so great. Um, I, that,
0: yeah. that that band's so good
1: because oh, there that that band is like huge. Really, yeah. that I I love that
0: band. I mean, uh, it's weird. The Ringer did a good article about the 59 sound and how it's like they've had other albums that are more successful and other albums that maybe are critically more acclaimed. But
1: like when you Mm -hmm. think
0: of that band, it's the 59 sound and there's just something about that album. Like it's like perfect.
1: You know the um, American slang came out like right as I broke up uh, with a, a long term girlfriend, mm. and that and they have a couple songs on there that were like really connected with me, and I just I had it on repeat, yeah. so it, like literally is like a it's like one of those records that's very important to me and has like a time in my yeah. life that is very oh, yeah. uh like meaningful. So I um, wanted to yeah. yeah I'm I'm a big guest. I mean, I've,
0: I've tried to get uh, Benny on here because I've there are be- I don't actually know any of those dudes, but I have like. I grew up in Connecticut, but was really involved in also a lot of uh, music scene in Jersey. So I've like had seen their bands, and I have a lot of friends who are friends with them. And then just it's always one of those like, yeah, yeah, and that never happens. But one of these days, mm-hmm. one of these
1: days, mm-hmm. hopefully, yeah.
0: Did, who had, did you grow up uh, seeing any bands that like like go in the, into your scene that are still active today? Like, so like I grew up. And there's a band I used to really love called the Arrogant Sons of Bitches, and the, that frontman is Jeff mm-hmm. Rosenstock, who's probably, like, the only mm-hmm. person from that era of my life who's, like, still making music and actively successful at
1: mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Monster Squad is uh, back together and playing shows. Um, I feel like I actually ended up becoming friends with a lot of the people who I used to, like, follow around their bands.
0: That's another best. Um,
1: I think... Th- I think the hard times actually helped with that because it just made people know that I was someone that they could talk oh, yeah. to, you know, um, instead of just just a face in the crowd. Um, and it's been it's been kind of a thrill to get to know so many different people who had a huge impact on me. I mean, you, when you're a young kid and you listen to people's songs over and over again and their lyrics, they definitely shape you a bit. Um, so yeah, I, I there's there's a lot of bands that are still active or their new projects that I listen to. Uh, I,
0: yeah, well, it's it's that's a good transition because like uh, you know, Bad Religion and Minor Threat are two big bands, and your first episode on the mm-hmm. Hard Times podcast, you guys had fucking Brian Baker on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Wow! I mean, damn, dude, <laughs> that's amazing.
1: I, I mean, I actually met Brian at a music festival uh, at Punk Rock Bowl, and He came up to our tent to say hi to us because he's uh, a he's a comedy guy. He likes joking around, having yeah, a good yeah. time. So he actually he was just a fan of the website. And uh, I'm just—I was sitting there. I was kind of—I was kind of a little pissy because it was like super hot. And uh, uh, our live events guy Nick was um, doing a bunch of work and talking to people. And I was—I think I was just like in the back of the tent, like being like, "Jesus Christ, it's really hot." Yeah. Uh, and then I just looked up for a second from my phone. And I saw Brian Baker standing there. I was like, "Whoa, dude, how, how's it going?" And uh, I met him. I got to talk to him. And uh, we stayed in touch a bit through the internet. And, we sent uh, he ordered a t-shirt and we just yeah um he seemed like he was interacting with us and our our company a bit and so we thought we could just reach out and he was uh he was down um i thought it was a i thought it was a great interview but we've got some other interviews coming up um where i feel like bill and i are actually getting our flow a little bit better you know our next episode is uh frank turner and then Seriously? i think after that yeah oh, I, I think love after that frank we're turner. doing – uh, uh, Keith Buckley from Every Time oh, I Die, who actually writes for Hard he's Times, funny. and then uh, and him, Andy Hurley from the drummer of Fallout Boy, who plays in a whole bunch of hardcore and straight edge. Oh, wasn't
0: bands. he in um, um, Seven Angels, Seven Plagues, or something like that? No, never mind. He no, he very well might have been. Either I, was honestly, in it or he always wore so their shirts.
1: many straight edge hardcore bands. I'm actually. He was one hundred percent either in it or friends with him because he told me a story about that band. But I actually wasn't clear when he was yeah. telling it if he was in that band because he's been in all these different hardcore yeah. straight bands. I don't know. Um, he actually told me a story about Seth Rollins was a fan of that band, the, the wrestler. Um, yeah, I'll send you. I'll send you the podcast when it comes out, I mean, and like, uh, he'll you. tell the story better oh, than that's I so can. Cool, man. I'm, yeah, I'm happy. I, I like
0: you and Bill have good chemistry. I I, I liked it. I was Thanks, like, man. Oh, this is... This is, you guys are, I actually enjoyed the, unlike like Maron's podcast, I actually liked listening to the beginning of you guys talk.
1: <laughs> so, hey, hey such... thanks. Well, you know, Bill and I have been talking uh, once a week or twice a week uh, for the last four You years, don't live near each other? So, no. We actually we work together without even seeing each other in person for over wow. a year. Wow. Uh, he lived in Portland and I lived in the Bay Area. Now he lives in LA. Oh, sh-
0: like, that's nice.
1: Um, the world's a weird place nowadays where you can work really intimately mm. with people and get to know them without... You, know, you and I are having I know. A deep conversation it's right very... here, but
0: I mean, like, I I literally have no involvement in the entertainment industry, and I've just started a podcast from my bedroom, and I've gotten to talk to like people that I feel like I should have never had a right to speak
1: with. Like, it's yeah. incredible. That's when that, when I started my punk scene. Um, Ian Mackay and Lars Ferguson and Mark McCoy and all these guys were like, "Yeah, I'll talk to you," and I was like, "Really? I'm only gonna send, I'm only gonna give this to 30 people." But you you just, know what I mean? Like, they're like, "I don't yeah. care." yeah
0: especially just get um, especially in podcasts and just get people when they're promoted. like i got um michael price and he's right for the simpsons but he was um had a mm-hmm. netflix show fs for family mm-hmm. and netflix I like it's that really show. good and um his yeah. first season netflix does not promote their shit uh so like mm-hmm. he just went out there and was on twitter just hitting it up like i gotta do everything i can get the show and like it's like oh my god like i got some like i got yeah. like local press for that and HuffPo and like like and also still like just this like dorky dude in my bedroom <laughs> that's so great. yeah it's
1: it's fun it's fun but you're you're earnest and you're yourself and people yeah. like that you yeah know what it, I mean? that's that likes, uh yeah it's
0: fun it's uh, it's like the most fun thing ever <laughs> it really is. it's so cool you get to meet so many nice people I feel the
1: same way that's it's one of the one of the main reasons why i became a yeah. journalist was i just i liked uh seeking out people who i admire and then talking to them i actually believe when i was in college I asked Ian McKay. I just I emailed like info at discordrecords and Ian McKay got back to me. He talked to me on the phone for like three hours, and I, I'm not bullshitting you. I think the conversation like changed my oh, life. I mean, it, like we talked we talked about some deep stuff about how you should be how you should look at things, how you should you know try to work through different situations, and I was like, that was like a super valuable. That's great conversation it's, i know people like people surprise you
0: and it is one of the things i'm so met. My, my my i have a cousin sarah who was in this like really i i actually don't really care for them they were in this like really weird noisy band that in like the Slater kenny era called unwound and uh-huh. then like a couple uh-huh. years ago they're touring um her, her new band and so they came through and they're playing and i don't know I, it was around the time that foo fighters did that documentary series oh dave girl did that docuseries on hbo sonic uh-huh. highways uh-huh and, and yeah, i was I like just talking to her about it and um so she's not a punk kid at all she's like in that weird noise world and i was like oh so Mm -hmm. cool ian mckay is an episode she's like oh yeah Ian was at the show last night and i'm like Mm -hmm. you're my cousin for like 30 something years and you're friends with ian mckay she's like oh is he like a big deal Mm -hmm. yeah he's a great guy he's been (laughs) we've we've been friends for years it's like you you know
1: one of the things about him one of the things about him is that he's so uh kind and humble in person uh, that you could just be friends with them. You, know you right? guys did um, one of the best articles of...
0: I'm going to paraphrase, to so correct me. I'm sure you know what I'm about to say. The Ian Mackay sets up a schedule to be interviewed for every documentary
1: or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we were thinking about that God, one. that's fucking funny, and, man. You know, I, I, actually, I actually think I realized what that... That angle is only for people like me who kind of sought out every hardcore yes. documentary. You know what I mean? And then it's kind of a weird headline because it kind of like blames him for me being a fucking obsessive fan of his. <laughs> no, but it was just like, but, it was
0: so perfect. Yeah. But it, it latched onto the right people like me. I was like, yes. And it wasn't, you weren't making yeah. fun of him. But it's just, yeah. it's true though, right?
1: We were a bit. We were a bit. Everything. We were but, a bit. Hey,
0: listen, man, you start fucking Minor Threat and change the this world like that, you get to be in every documentary.
1: Yeah. I want him to be on my podcast. I think he's going to. I have to talk yeah, to him. Yeah,
0: he bit. doesn't do podcasts, does he?
1: He told me that he uh, he might. Yeah. So I don't know. I got to talk him into it. He had he had some concerns. People, but, well, um, you
0: know, a lot of people didn't know what they were. Uh, and, and I think you guys are coming yeah. at, at a great time where the bubble is about to burst with um, Spotify I, just bought uh, like Gimlet and Anchor.
1: Oh, yeah. So I that's like a big, that, yeah. for Spotify, our industry, it's huge. Yeah, Spotify actually came to us and they said, "Do you guys want to start a podcast or something?" And like they were going to pay for it and I was it was kind of weird. I, I, I kind of like DIY yeah. stuff. Well, I mean, so you already had your experience just, with Vice. To do it so ourselves. you're like, yeah. "Well, I know where this I know where yeah. this goes where I work for yeah. free and then you don't pay big me." Companies, big companies Big companies are interesting. Um, just so we're clear about Vice actually I didn't have to actually they were going to they were going to do something, they didn't do it, but it wasn't like I was not going to I didn't actually do any oh, work yeah, yeah, yeah. for free. Just just to sure. clarify. Um but uh I I feel like DIY, uh, that's like a you know Discord record mm. sort of um, a good model to follow. So hard times, we do not always, but a lot of times, if we can do something ourselves, um, we definitely go down that route probably, um, if possible. Probably
0: keeps you guys so afloat and stuff, you know.
1: Yeah, and it makes it so that we don't have to answer to anyone. Yeah, that's, that's nice. That's so great. Um, you know, advertisers and corporate sponsors and stuff they're really bad for comedy they really don't like or good jokes. ideas so yeah so
0: are you, are you familiar with the website uh washed up emo
1: yeah my friend isa from good clean fun is friends. oh with tom yeah guy. he's he um, was on here a while back he he would be a good guest for yeah. you guys
0: i think you would guys would get like he's a really
1: really good I, guy he's He's uninvited. I know you're probably his friend, but he always he tweets things that irritate me. He, oh, does he hate we, you
0: guys? Oh we, my god, you're right. I'm sorry. I, we're not friends,
1: but <laughs> no, <he> was... <laughs> no, no. It's okay. It's okay. I'd have no bad vibes uh, towards him, but he's not coming on oh, the podcast too funny. because he's irritating ah,
0: me. <laughs> he's like an executive at Sony uh, or some shit. Like he's got some like insanely really cool like adult job in the industry, and that's that's that, that is funny. Yeah. I, you know, as as I said, I was like, oh, I think he kind of shits on you guys. Sorry.
1: <laughs> He, well, what he does is when we do emo jokes, he, like, thinks he owns it. And I just think that's super <sighs> embarrassing. And I'm just, like, I just, like, kind of look at it and laugh. I think, yeah, I don't think he's been doing it in a little while. But I, I know a lot of people are, are who, we have a lot of mutual yeah, friends for sure. That's that's, um, I try to think, oh, man. But, like, we'll, we'll do an emo headline and then I'll, we'll I'll see a tweet. That's Emo's like, not sad. <laughs> uh, but, or, like, whatever it is. It, I feel like it started with the this notion that, he controlled the, the idea of like emo jokes. Um, and then, cause he, he also did the, is your band emo? Is yep. that band Yeah. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Remember that website? I think Issa coded that website. Issa's a, a close friend. No of mine. way, man. Um,
0: can, I, I fucking yeah. love good keen fun. Yeah.
1: yeah they're they're kind of like the hard times um, of
0: <laughs> musically. <laughs> they, they are, are so they, funny. what
1: they did. They paved yeah. the way. Yeah. I love Jane, but Jane, Jane loves
0: David Day I mean, that was our band.
1: There's a, there's a, there's a strain throughout punk's history of comedy and good clean fun is like yeah. a big portion of that specifically their brand of comedy because they weren't doing shock value comedy or anything like that. They were doing satirical stuff. So I actually do think that, uh, they are, that you could say they're proto hard time stuff like they're pioneers. So, um, yeah, I saw them once. They're actually great. Issa writes, Issa writes for our website. Oh,
0: that's all, Yeah. I saw them so, played at a, like a yeah. church in like Cromwell, Connecticut. And they were amazing. And I remember getting to talk yeah. with them and they were so nice. And it was like, it's always such a good feeling when you get to, like meet someone and they're actually nice. <laughs> it's it's cool. Yeah, Issa's yeah. a great guy. It's been it's been good getting. That's him. awesome. I think they played with the band that I like followed around. That like, I put my hat on. Like this is the band that's gonna blow up. Was this band called Folly, which did not. But they gave me lots of fun experiences in life. I don't they were a hardcore Folly? metalish band with ska breakdowns. So that's mm. a lot to hang. They're very good. They had maybe about two albums. Um they did a lot. they toured a lot. Never really broke past that world, but like they were good in their own right. The, why, one of my mm. f- best life experiences seeing them opening for Bad Religion and meeting Bruce Springsteen who was at the concert. It was oh, yeah. crazy. He was apparently I love apparently is a friend of Bad Religion or friendly enough with Bad Religion in that particular venue in Jersey where he's there enough and it was
1: crazy. I was like, "Oh my god." That's that's awesome. You're just like in Jersey and just he's like backstage just cause Oh, this I isn't just...
0: backstage. I'm not even I was like at the bar where like the Normals hang out and oh. he stood next to me. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. He's
1: like it was crazy. Yeah. Uh I've never got to see I've never gotten to see Bruce Springsteen live, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to. N- never have either. But one one day. I the tickets are really yeah.
0: expensive. Yeah. <laughs> paying for stuff's hard. Um man, thank you uh so much for doing this. Is there anything we missed or uh, where could you uh where people can find you online and the uh, Hard Times and all that good stuff?
1: Yeah. I mean, thank you for having me, man. I had a great time. Oh, um, God, I People could uh, check, us, check out our new podcast network. Um, go to thehardtimes.net backslash podcast. We have two shows so far, but um, we're looking to do the whole thing DIY. We've got some great advertisers and some great ideas. Um, our We have an episode of our nerd show that comes out every Monday and an episode of our punk show that comes out every Thursday. Um, you can find us on most podcast stuff i think i don't know liam's in charge of that he's our producer <laughs> well the other uh, pod- it's yeah. on most stuff. Your other
0: podcast yeah. is a super mario brothers show so it's like you guys only like
1: yeah. you went
0: into like a venn diagram of the things i like it's like punk rock and like weird cartoons <laughs> that nobody else cares about anymore
1: so those hosts uh jeremy and mark are just there's there's some really funny oh guys God. um so yeah i've had, i'm having a good time in the podcast world it was, it was great to meet you and be oh to no to thank
0: show. you i've actually uh, you you have been on my list for a very long time have a good one